Hello, and welcome to Nerd of Paradise, the podcast with a quirky take on nerd culture. I'm your host, Kate, and woohoo, we made it to episode two. I hope you all enjoyed the debut episode all about cats. And if you haven't listened, go back and give it a listen, but go ahead and finish this episode first. This is episode two, and I'm thrilled to be talking all about Ada Lovelace. She is such a fascinating and intriguing person from history, and it's surprising how few people know who she is or the things she accomplished, so I really wanted to do an episode to do my part to spread the word about Ada Lovelace. So you'll hear from three very different people who have all been inspired by Ada Lovelace in one way or another, and I think you guys are going to love this episode. But before we get to the interviews, since so few people know who Ada Lovelace is, I just wanted to give a brief overview of her and some of the things she accomplished. So I have the Wikipedia page for Ada Lovelace up here, and I'm just going to read you a little bit from that. Augusta Ada King, Countess of Lovelace, was an English mathematician and writer chiefly known for her work on Charles Babbage's early mechanical general purpose computer, the analytical engine. Her notes on the engine include what is recognized as the first algorithm intended to be carried out by a machine. Because of this, she is often regarded as the first computer programmer. Moving down, Ada described her approach as poetical science and herself as analyst and metaphysician. As a young adult, her mathematical talents led her to an ongoing relationship and friendship with the fellow British mathematician Charles Babbage, and in particular, Babbage's work on the analytical engine. Between 1842 and 1843, she translated an article by Italian military engineer Luigi Manabria on the engine, which she supplemented with an elaborate set of notes of her own, simply called notes. These notes contain what many consider to be the first computer program, that is, an algorithm designed to be carried out by a machine. Lovelace's notes are important in the early history of computers. She also developed a vision of the capability of computers to go beyond mere calculating or number crunching, while others, including Babbage himself, focused only on these capabilities. Her mindset of poetical science led her to ask about the analytical engine, as shown in her notes, examining how individuals and society relate to technology as a collaborative tool. All right, so there's your brief overview of Ada Lovelace. And let's get on to the interviews. So first up, I'm going to play you my interview I did with Zoe Philpot. She is an interactive storyteller, and it's a really interesting interview. We, of course, talk about Ada herself and then the really cool Ada, Ada, Ada show where they incorporate a dress made out of LED lights. All right, so I'll go ahead and play that now. So I'm super excited to be talking to Zoe Philpot. Welcome to the show, Zoe. Hi, Kate. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. All right, so do you want to tell us what your position is? Right. I am an interactive storyteller, and what that means is I've had 15 years in digital, in technical, and 20 years in theater, and I tell all manner of stories using the media that makes the most sense. So for instance, I have worked with Ford motor cars and choreographed a couple of their robots that make the cars for their global auto show. Um, And then on another occasion, I have uh, created a driving game that was operated by 200 people at a time by waving their arms in the air. So we're going to get into the Ada, Ada, Ada show later mm-hmm. on but let's talk about Ada Lovelace first mm-hmm. so first of all who was Ada Lovelace well Ada Lovelace was the first computer programmer she came up with this computer program in 1843 and then she was written out of history she's more of a inspiration she was a pioneer for the computer age she was coming up with the concept that we could tell a machine to do anything we wanted it to. And while at the time people were just thinking about machines in terms of 
a calculator or you know effectively numbers whereas she was saying this way of working could mean that computers will become the tool for our imagination and it will be able to create music imagery anything anything we ask of it and i think she's known as a prophet and the mother of the digital age because she had that foresight she had the audacity to think creatively about technology where at the time this was the middle of the uh, 19th century after all and they hadn't even come up with a computer or calculator anything vaguely like we have now and um, and she was already light years ahead having said that there weren't um, computers at the time she was working with an amazing mathematician and inventor called Charles Babbage and he had come up with the plans for a mechanical computer that was going to be steam powered that in years and years and years later a hundred years later it was decided that yes in fact it would have worked but he never had the money to build it which is why it makes it even more remarkable that Ada Lovelace looked at his plans and was able to see effectively what we have in our lives today and that is a fully functioning computer. Awesome. So you had mentioned how she was erased from history. So why have so few people heard about her? Well, there's various ways you can go with that. Effectively, at the time, her work was buried. And that was largely due to the fact that uh, she was ahead of her time. There was no computer for her to act on. Um, but also, as a woman she was less likely to be listened to. Um, also, she had a very domineering mother that while her mother was very, very empowering when it came to her learning about mathematics, she also was very controlling whenever Ada stepped out of line. So she destroyed a lot of correspondence and other source material that relates to Ada. So we have less knowledge of her. Um, and that's because... Ada was also the daughter of Lord Byron, the poet that was dubbed mad, bad, and dangerous to know. And so her mother was quite keen to rid Ada of any of his tendencies as she was growing up. But Ada nonetheless did have his uh, love of risk and uh, quite a reckless side to her. So that was not really condoned by her mother, and that's why she sort of tried to remove any letters and stuff that, that showed her in a bad light. So why is it important that people know about her? Well, it's important that people know about Ada because effectively women make up half the human race, but if you look at history, there are just no women. And Ada created some amazing things and really thought in groundbreaking ways. And, you know, she should really be remembered in the same way as, say, Darwin is remembered for his origin of species or other great scientists like Faraday for his work on electromagnetism. And yet she isn't. So there are other people like Ada in the past that have done great things. But I want to make sure that Ada is well-known and made a household name to be representing all those other women that should be shouted about for the time being. Exactly. And that's why I think she should be known. She should be known. Exactly. I totally agree. And, you know, she can be such an inspiration, especially for, you know, girls and young women who are interested in getting into that sort of field. So oh, completely. How can girls and um, young ladies who are interested in, STEM get involved in that field? Well, my attitude to that is they should just do it. I know that's probably not what you wanted me to say, <laughs> but, but all these, there's so many reasons for girls not to. It's because they're told that it's not really their world. Um, they've got role models. You know, it's just, it's just something that, that doesn't really seem to be on their radar. But in fact, it's really easy for them to get involved and make it their careers. They just have to get into it. And I think having a role model such as Ada Lovelace sort of shouted about 
is one way to really, really encourage them to take to take control and, and become involved in technology and other areas of science and engineering and maths. Um, there was um, something that Emma Watson, you know Emma Watson from, mm -hmm. yeah, was well, she, I love this, she got a tweet from someone, a girl, who said, I really want to be an engineer, but my dad says that I can't because I'm a girl. And and then she, and she also said, I want to be an engineer, but I can't because my dad says so. How do I become an engineer? What should I do? And Emma Watson just said, become an engineer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of with that. It's like girls just have to do it and not listen to society telling them otherwise. Okay, so let's talk about Ada, Ada, Ada. So okay. do you want to give us a brief overview of what exactly that is? Okay, Ada, Ada, Ada is a interactive storytelling involving an LED dress. So we tell the story of Ada Lovelace's life and we take it right from the past and then on into the future, touching on how women have been heavily involved in software development right from the start. And, and then we imagine how Ada would fare nowadays and how she will be inspiring us all, I'm sure. And the reason why we use the LED dress is because we, we wanted to create something that was innovative and would hopefully make her proud. So you kind of talked a little bit about inspiration. So was there anything that was like specifically an inspiration for this interactive storytelling? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, interactive storytelling is, is my medium, so that's what I do. But I was walking through London, where I live, and I saw a group of tourists, and they were having a photograph taken by a statue of some dead bloke who was probably about 200 years ago he died. And I was just thinking, what on earth have they got to do with that, that statue? Why are they taking their picture by it? And then I looked around, and I thought, where are all the statues that I can relate to? And I realized that there were just lots and lots of bronzes of men who I had no idea what they did. They probably just killed a lot of people in some war. Um, and so that's when I thought I need to stand up and, and start shouting about role models that, that I would respect um, and start making sure that we can all sort of see them. So I couldn't work out a way of making statues, but I do know how to do an interactive story. So I thought, I know, I'll start with Ada Lovelace because she is dear to me and as a woman in tech myself. And, and then I will hopefully get her all over the world, join the movement because everyone is wanting to raise awareness of her, which is great. And then I will continue to update history with her story. And I'll do one story each year from now. So I'm starting with Ada Lovelace, and there's going to be plenty more. Awesome. That sounds really exciting. So uh, do you have any behind-the-scenes details about Ada, Ada, Ada? Oh, yes. <laughs> the, the thing about working in innovative technology is everyone who does it will know, and I think it's true of any innovation, is things that haven't been done before are difficult to know how to do them for the first time. So when we came up with this idea of doing a dress with LEDs in it, that we wanted to create a period dress with LEDs in it that could be able to be worn and then would not need to be plugged in and also would not need to be, I could control it because I control it with a glove. I have a glove and I tap my fingers to, to, to change the states of the lights. And um, so we, started by using um, conductive thread and we worked with it was me and technologist Charles and costume maker Rhiannon who is knows all about how to make a period costume and we started with conductive thread and I had 400 odd hand-sewn LEDs uh, all in the skirt in the body in the bodice and in the hair hair and then it was operated. I had a, a Wi-Fi access point. This is all in my bum roll, in my bustle, under my skirt. I had a Wi-Fi access point, an Arduino, a Raspberry Pi, and loads of batteries. And then what we discovered, though, was that we could never get the dress to be stable. The 
conductive thread was a nightmare and we tried and tried and tried to make it work because in other uses it can work and it's it's the right thing to use but we built this thing because because i'm a tech girl i work on the idea of how you do software so it was always rapid prototyping so we we made the skirt remade it remade it remade it and finally after about the third or fourth time that all of the leds had been sewn on by hand and on and taken off again and then re-sewn and we changed the way that our studio was so that it was a different working environment more sort of scientific um we we then had to give up so we've now gone into a new prototype and this one uses wires as opposed to the uh the conductive thread and i have now uh 4400 leds in the dress and it is stunningly beautiful. And I also have um, 69 ferrites under my skirt, which makes me think of 69 ferrets <laughs> under my skirt, um, as well as the Wi-Fi access points. And, and then we're also, we're now going with ArtNet. So the other thing that we wanted to do was we didn't want to just create a screen because a lot of um, this type of LED work with clothing, they end up just having a screen on a, on a dress or a top. Mm -hmm. And so all of the 4,400 LEDs are individually addressable. Wow. So each one can be programmed. And so it works more like a, a theatrical rig of lights. But usually in that scenario, you have probably 400, 500 lights is kind of the maximum end. And we've actually got 4,400 wow. so we're doing all sorts of <laughs> experimentation again which I love That's I love cool. but <laughs> but at the same time we have a show coming up and we need to be done and we need to be ready and everyone is working extremely hard if I look around the room now I can see a technologist who's got this soldering iron and huge amounts of um, other gadgets and gizmos to check it all we've got production manager we've got Anna, who's busy sewing the bodice, and um, and then we've got the lighting designer and who works with opera amongst other things, and and a sound designer who's amazing and she's works uh, on films as well as for large scale theatre. So it's an awesome team, and we're creating something I hope Ada would be super proud of because it's so kind of unknown and we're using our imagination and reasoning to make it real very cool so i'm really interested about the led dress um can does it correspond with the story then you know how the lights are yes yes it does if you if i stand if i stand in the dress without lights on it just looks beautiful but then the way that the lights work is that as they come on they're diffused by the fabric so they kind of sparkle and we use them to change the costume so it, it changes according, according to mood. And then we also use it to do specific states so that when I build the analytical engine with the audience and a lot of string, um, the lights are reflecting the sort of binary um, connections between what in the mechanical uh, analytical engine would have been cogs and cranks and shafts we're using we're, the leds will be creating the lines that actually make up how the analytical engine would have worked and so it's very figurative in that way so it really does help tell the story um in sort of conjunction with the script and with the music cool so you kind of alluded to it but this is very much an interactive story correct yes yes <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, the the way that I interact, it's a bit like um, it's kind of it's designed to be seen at festivals, in schools, in theatres, at conferences. I want to take it into businesses so that I can inspire workforces to about diversity and again encourage. Because did you know, for instance, that in the UK, only fourteen percent of jobs are taken by women wow. in tech. And that's less than 20 years ago. Whoa. I know, it's going down. Yeah. There are only 9% of women taking on tertiary 
degrees in tech wow. at the moment. I mean, it's, it's just awful. And there was a girl recently, I, I heard this story, this girl who was 15 years old, so, you know, a young woman, she was asked to draw a picture of a game designer and she drew a bloke. And when they said, why was it a bloke? She went, well, girls can't do that, can they? Oh, wow. I know, that's a 15-year-old girl. That's like, she's, you know, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. So, so the way that I, it's, it's part science lecture, it's part stand-up, it's part dra dramatic because I also play Ada Lovelace herself. I do lots of letters. And it's just me on stage with this amazing dress. And then I have a ball of string and postage labels. And I get the audience to help construct the analytical engine so that they become part of the story and understand what she was doing and and then we try and do a program awesome and we find it very difficult <laughs> that sounds <laughs> so it's, cool it's good fun it's good fun and uh, very engaging and and people have said they feel really inspired and enlightened very by the cool. end of it awesome so when and where can you see ada 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 Okay, so we're just tour booking now. So um, we're right now, this month, we are on in London and in Manchester. So that's both in England. But then we are expecting, we're in conversations with people in Europe and also with people in the States. So we hope to be traveling further and further afield with the show um, in 2016 and beyond. So I think the important thing is, is not so much where you can see us now, because you may not be near enough to come to the, the few shows that are on, but you can always find out by following the Twitter for Ada the Show. So that's at Ada the Show. Um, and that will always be able to tell you what's going on. And we also have a website, which is Ada the Show. Dot com, And now that we're tour booking, we will have our dates added to the site as the dates get finalized. So that's always a good way. And also, if you want to bring it to you, you know, if you're at a school that thinks you'd, you want to have it, or if you're in a business that you think your, your people should see this, then, then just contact us and we'll bring it to you. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Zoe. It was so interesting to find out more about Ada and the, the Ada, Ada, Ada show. So one last question. Mm -hmm. How can people help tell the world about Ada? Well, a very easy way is follow us on Twitter and join the movement because we are not the only people talking about her. And the hashtag Ada Lovelace is out there being used. Also the hashtag women in STEM mm -hmm. and hashtag women in tech. There's loads and loads of stuff going on. And on the 13th of October, every year is Ada Lovelace Day. And while there's something going on centrally, it's the real, real thing is about creating your own events. So don't feel like you know, you need to join someone else. If you want to make Ada Lovelace known, then you just have to start shouting. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks again. Okay. Thank you, Kate. It's been lovely talking to you. Thanks again, Zoe. It was so cool talking to you. And everybody, be sure to check out adatheshow.com. There's a really cool video about Ada, Ada, Ada. And you can actually see the LED dress lit up and it's really cool. And you can also see the guest post that Zoe did on my brother's blog, micajoel.info. And you can see some really neat behind-the-scenes photos of the LED dress. And you'll actually hear from my brother later on in this episode. But before that, let's go on to the next interview, author James Essinger. He's done a lot of research about Ada Lovelace, and he has some really fascinating insights about her. So I know you guys will enjoy this interview. I'm here with James Essinger. He literally wrote the book on Ada Lovelace. It's called A Female Genius and the U.S. version, Ada's Algorithm. So he knows a lot about her and he's going to share some of that info. Welcome to the show, James. Great to be here, Kate. So first of all, what attracted you to the subject of Ada Lovelace? Um, I think she's one of the most fascinating women in history. 
and probably a good case could be made that she's the most interesting scientific woman of the 19th century. Um, she, she has been given a very raw deal by history and by posterity until pretty recently. In fact, you could even argue she was given, she was given a pretty, good, pretty raw deal in her, own, in her own lifetime, living in a century where men thought that women were inherently less intelligent than themselves. In fact, I tend to think the opposite is the case. And in the 20th century, it was only really in about, not, in about really near the end of the century when people began to realise that her contribution to the thought of the prehistory of the computer was enormous. And I became very interested in finding out what the real nature of that contribution was. Can I give you an example of the kind of prejudice there was against Ada in the past? Absolutely. This is from a, this is from a book written by a computer scientist. I'll, I'll be quite polite about it because he's unfortunately, he passed away some years ago. Um, a gentleman called Bruce Collier, who wrote in 1990, the following about Ada. There is one subject ancillary to Babbage on which far too much has been written, and that is the contributions of Ada Lovelace. It is no exaggeration to say that she was a manic depressive with the most amazing delusions about her own talents and a rather shallow understanding of both Charles Babbage and the unlisted engine. To me, this familiar material seems to make obvious once again that Ada was as mad as a hatter. I'll retain an open mind on whether Ada was crazy because of her substance abuse. I guess someone has to be the most overrated figure in the history of computing. Wow. Do you have that phrase, mad as a hatter, in American English? Like the Mad Hatter, like from Alice yeah, it in comes, Wonderland? It comes from, you probably know, it comes from the fact that people involved in hat manufacturing in the 19th mm -hmm. century used to use a glue. Um, I believe it was a glue that would that had mercury in it. And they would they would lick the tips of their pens, pens that their brushes to, to, to sharp to make the brushes nice and straight, the tips nice and straight, and they would absorb the mercury. Um, that was a very insulting paragraph mm. about Ada, which Bruce wrote. Wow. I did, in fact, try to contact him when I was writing my book, because he did write this in all fairness in 1990. And in all fairness to Bruce, to, to the late Bruce, at the time when he wrote it, that what he said was basically the consensus about Ada. That was how many computer scientists, whose names I shall not mention, thought about Ada then. She was thought to be an aristocratic twit, mm -hmm. which is an English word for a rather stupid person, um, who, I mean, I mean a UK English word for that, British English word for that, who interfered with Babbage's work and was a nuisance. Now, so what Bruce Collier wrote was, was fairly typical of what was thought about Ada in those days. Why? Well, for two reasons. First of all, People hadn't really studied her, her work properly. And secondly, because there, is, there has simply always been a campaign throughout history by scientists who, at the risk, by male scientists, who, with the risk of offending anybody, who maybe are not always, in all cases, as emotionally intelligent as they could be. Maybe that applies to men generally anyway, including <laughs> myself, by the way. There's a campaign to make women's contribution in science seem less important this is a it's 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 almost a form of racism I, well, I think racism is a more it's almost a more serious word than sexism because it's like saying that women are a different species and therefore are not to be treated seriously there was another famous case with rosalind franklin who was involved in the development of dna she never got the credit she deserved nowadays ada is not seen like that and I think I've played a small role in helping to change the minds of people in the computer science business industry about, about Ada. Shall I tell you now about why she was truly important in the history of the computer? Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's, this is the reason. She didn't invent the unlimited engine. Babbage did that. Whether she was truly the world's first computer programmer is, to some extent, a question of what you define as the word computer program. She certainly, in her writing, in her notes to her translation of a paper by Federico Menebrea about Babbage's machine, she certainly, in her notes, does some work which looks a bit like a computer program. But the general consensus among computer scientists 
tends to be that she was kind of doing interesting and important modeling work. I mean, scientific modeling work for the machine, but it's not really a computer program in the modern sense. Anyway, whether it was or not, what is indisputable is this. Babbage only saw the analytical engine and its predecessor, the difference engine, which was a kind of less ambitious version of the analytical engine designed to to print, to calculate and print mathematical tables by using the method of differences, Mm -hmm. which is a way of calculating tables without having to do complex multiplications, but by using additions instead. Of course, it doesn't matter how laborious the additions are if a machine's doing them. She didn't invent those machines. There's no way she did. Babbage invented the difference engine in about 1822 when she was only seven years old. Her bicentenary of the bicentenary of her birth is this is on December the 10th this year. And he invented the analytical engine in about 1834 when she was um, when she was 16 years old. But but Babbage only saw those machines as calculating machines. He he viewed them as machines to evaluate complex calculations, which would certainly have been an incredibly useful application of them. But Ada, that female genius, she's still beyond that. She realised, and there is no evidence whatsoever that she was prompted by Babbage. On the contrary, she was very much in charge of writing her notes and and seems to have steered the project. Her notes, by the way, are about 20,000 words long, the length of, obviously, a small book. She saw that the machines could do far more than just calculations, that they could, in effect, be used to do almost anything. And she actually compared the... Well, to do almost anything in terms of control almost any process. And she actually compared the, the analytical engine with the Jacquard loom. Do you know what the Jacquard loom is, Kate? Oh, like a it's a silk, it's a silk weaving loom which used punch cards. I've written a book about that called Jacquard's Web, which was, which was invented in 1805 by a French loom worker mm-hmm. called Monsieur Jacquard. And it used punch cards to control the strings of the loom that would allow very complex and very beautiful images to be woven in silk. And, and just as a Jacquard loom can be used to weave any image if it's set up properly. Ada saw that the Ironsid engine could be used to control any process mm-hmm. if it was set up properly. Now, that is a level of insight which Babbage never had. Ada has not until recently been given the proper credit for this insight. And one thing I personally believe is that she was helped in her femininity and also perhaps in her heritage as the daughter of Lord Byron, to see, if you like, these machines Babbage invented in a more lateral, more holistic kind of way. Mm -hmm. And this, I find, is very exciting. She actually invented a term herself for how she saw her approach to science. She called it poetical science. Now, in fact, there's no evidence at all that Ada wrote poetry. There isn't even any definite evidence that she read her father's poems, although she must have surely have read some of them. But I think poetical, poetical science is a very nice way of summarising her view of science, that it was a her particular idiosyncratic personal view of science, that she saw it as a kind of blend of science and poetry. And this was what, if you like, gave her the insight into Babbage's engines that he himself never had. Wow. So what do you think would impress Ada the most in our digital age? Well, okay, let's, um, let's take that a bit further into a, into a lesson. If she was arriving into London Heathrow's time port mm-hmm. and we were travelling from there into central London on the London Underground, I think she'd be fascinated to see the smartphones everyone's using. Mm-hmm. I was in Italy last weekend talking about Ada and people in Italy are just as keen on their smartphones as people are in England and no doubt in America as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we would explain to her that really a smartphone is very much like a highly sophisticated jacquard loom and a kind of modern version of the analytical engine. And Ada was so quick and so sharp that I think by the time we got to London, probably a 45 minute journey, she'd kind of understand a bit about what, how modern computers work. Do you not think so? 
Yeah, I think she would be fascinated by everything she saw. Do you think she would be a Mac or a PC person? A very interesting question. I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm bi- I'm biased because I'm a PC person myself. But for all I know, she might be. I think she'd be enthralled if we. I think if we kind of gave her as a present. Um, I better not mention a brand name, but if we gave her as a present a, a, a tablet computer, um, I think she'd. I feel that after a couple of days, she'd be thoroughly conversant with how to use it. Yeah, definitely. There is just so you know, there is a marvelous novel called called Must Love Breaches by Angela Qualls, which actually imagines someone going back in time and talking to Ada. It's just it's it's, it's really very really interesting, and I think. I think this is the point. I think Ada has become a really iconic person for, particularly for women today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even today, it's all right for middle class, upper class women to think that everything's different, but it's not particularly. Many working class women around the world and in developed developed countries, including developed countries, have lives of more, much more drudgery than they want. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I really do believe that, I really do believe that the, because women bring, tend to be the ones who bring up children, they're certainly the ones who have the children, and spend a lot of time on, on housework. I really believe that is a factor in women's, in, in the relatively small number, until recently anyway, of women who made great achievements in science and mathematics. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's, it's tragic. And I think Ada, one reason we feel we're so attracted to Ada is because not only was she a great genius, but also even though she came from a wealthy family, and she, she had a household, but of course, but she was rich and she had maids and servants to help her. She still suffered from that. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you imagine Ada giving, you know, women or girls in our day and age um, for more equitable balance? To answer your question, um, yes, Ada would say get the best education you can and don't let yourself be constrained by the limits that men have placed upon you. In, in the same way that rich people often say money isn't important in order to keep poor people down, I think men often forget how they don't encourage women. It's often the case that women are often brought up to have a feeling of being of a low self-esteem. I mean, I've noticed this myself, even with my with women friends of mine who are the cleverest and hardest working, they have quite a low self-esteem in a way that men often don't have. I don't know what you think, but anyway, that's my that's my opinion. Thank you so much for your interesting insight on Ada Lovelace. Can you tell us about any of your current or future projects? No, but I can say that without breaching any possible confidentiality rules that I'm still kind of under, I'm, I, I can say that there is very likely to be a major Hollywood film about Ada in the next couple of years, but I can't say anything more at this stage, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, awesome. Do you want to tell people how they can find you online if they're interested in looking up your books or more about you? Yeah, or that's very sweet of you, Kate. That's very sorry to interrupt. That's very sweet of you, Kate. Yeah, my book is called Ada's Algorithm, and it's available on Amazon.co.uk and Amazon.com. In fact, paperbacks are being published both in the UK and the US in the ne- during October, so you can get it cheaper. Um, and um, and also, if you want, want to look at my website, my website is www.jamesessinger.com or I'm on Wikipedia as well, just under James Essinger, E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. But above all, you know, never mind about me, do spread the word about Ada because she is someone who the word needs spreading about her. So thanks again, James. It was really great talking to you about Ada. And James also did a guest post on my brother's website, micajoel.info. And so there's some additional questions there that you might find interesting. So check it out. Now, speaking of my brother, Micah, he is the next interview. And, you know, he's always been a big influence in my life, especially in, you know, the nerd sector. (laughs) Although, as you'll hear, he might argue that it's the geek sector. But, yeah, he's a big reason why I got interested in Ada Lovelace. And so I thought it would be really interesting to sit down and talk with him just a little bit about his background as a geek and why he's so inspired by Ada Lovelace. So here is my brother, Micah. Welcome to the show, Micah. Hey, good to be here. So I think it's safe to say that you're arguably a bigger nerd than I am. (laughs) 
Oh, come come on now. <laughs> I, I, I identify as a geek, not a nerd. Okay, well, anyway, do you want to tell people when you got your first computer? Okay, let's see. My first computer. In third grade, I saved up the paper route money, and I got a secondhand Timex computer. This tiny little thing with a, a flat membrane keyboard <laughs> at four kilobytes of RAM. Whoa. Um, but I splurged, and I got the 16-kilobyte expansion pack. <laughs> awesome. Big rip thing off the back. Um, you hooked it up to your television set for the monitor and an everyday tape recorder to load and save programs. Wow. Take like five minutes. So, yeah, we come from a pretty nerdy slash geeky family. So, of course, that continued throughout your life, and it really affected your career path. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So I ended up going to school for electronics, but the uh, the computers were calling to me even then. So before I was through with that, I had my first job in, in the computing field. So yeah, I worked for a two-person computer company um, with no equity, but it was a good start for me. Um, yeah, I've, I've, just, I've just moved up from there. I've, I've done all kinds of things from, I've, I've written software for uh, portable heart monitors, I've written a major search engine that you might have used, at least a little teeny, teeny little corner of it. You're not going to say the name? Nope. And yeah, I've, I've, I've written software that you've probably visited on your phone also. So in the last few years, you've been writing more? Your latest stories, Misfits and Ada's Universe, have included Ada Lovelace. So do you want to tell us why you are inspired by Ada Lovelace? Yeah, Ada, she's just, she's just completely awesome. Um... I tend to be drawn to people who, who are, I don't know, kind of contrarian. I, I have a contrarian streak in me. I like the contrarians. Like <laughs> oh, is that where who, I get that from? <laughs> I, I like the people who just uh, don't care what convention says and they go and do their own thing. And that was definitely Ada. So who are some of the other characters in Misfits and Ada's universe? The, the point of view character starting off is Mr. Steve Jobs. It starts off with him, um, the moment his, he shuffles off his mortal coil on Earth, that's when the story starts for him. And uh, so he, he has to assemble a team, he gets Ada for software, and he gets William Shockley for hardware. Hmm. He's the uh, somewhat infamous, not somewhat, the extremely infamous <laughs> guy who invented the transistor, or co-invented it, ended up getting a lot of the credit for it, and uh, was just... A very difficult person in many ways. He uh, died alone, and even his family didn't come to his funeral. And yeah, so yeah, we have some interesting personalities. We have them thrust into a enclosed space, and uh, they kind of go after each other a bit. And don't forget the Tesla AI. Yes, there's an AI who thinks he's the reincarnation of Nikola <laughs> Tesla. That's awesome. Oh, and then in the Ada's universe story, who's the other one? Okay, so yeah, there's a sequel to this that's just coming out for Ada Lovelace Day here. And uh, in it, Ada goes, she is introduced to the Wikipedia, <laughs> and she's reading up, she's catching up on um, 200 years of science for her at that point, and she is completely inspired and enthralled by the story of Marie Curie. So she goes out and seeks out Curie in the sequel. Awesome. Girls' night out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so since this episode is all about Ada Lovelace, let's go back to Ada Lovelace. When did you start taking an interest in her? All right, so I've, I've heard the name for a, a long time. Um, when, you, when you're learning programming, the Ada programming language comes up a lot. It's used in the Department of Defense, um, named after her. And, you know, a lot of you just, it's kind of like a trivia fact in the background for a lot of, of people. Yeah, she wrote the first computer program. Cool. So it wasn't until I really got into the story that I got into the research. I started looking at the biographies, reading about her history. A lot of people don't know that she was the daughter of Lord Byron. So she's got some very interesting uh, family ties there. Um, and some some of the recent books that have come out have just been uh, incredible. Like, uh Sydney Padua's graphic novel is really good. The first part of it is all um, actual historical um, biography of Ada, and then it goes into a pocket universe and has some more adventures that are that are completely awesome. 
It's got technical appendices appendices at the at the end um, describing the inner workings of the analytical engine. Tons of footnotes. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a a great topic. Were there any other books or things you researched to get a better grasp of Ada's character when writing her? So you can find her actual letters, an actual compilation of her letters, and I read that. Um, yeah, she really likes to underline a lot <laughs> of words on a page, uh, which kind of reminds me of me a bit. Uh, <laughs> but she, she she's her mind is just jumping from from topic to topic and making incredible leaps of intuition and and yeah, so it, there is definitely a narrative to her life. You can read a quote from her and out of context and you, it comes across like, whoa, what you know, what was she talking about? Or or man, she's got a big head or you know. Um some people have uh accused her of not being that bright and said that Babbage actually did all the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. But once you really get into the letters and once you read the context and you look at the back and forth, you can see how what an incredible mind she had. That was interesting at the beginning of your short story, Ada's Universe. There's an actual quote from Ada Lovelace alluding to the fact that she knows she's about to die, that she can maybe feel the cancer within her. The, uh, I don't know, the last year or months of her life were horrible. Oof. Just terrible pain. Um, she was pretty young, too. She was, she was 36, wow. and she was, she was hitting the uh, laudanum, which is uh, an opiate. She was hitting that pretty hard. Oof. And so, so, yeah, perhaps some of her writings towards the end there have been, were influenced a bit by that. But, yeah, she is definitely an intriguing person from history. So why do you think it's so important that people know about Ada and her accomplishments? Yeah, I, I think people tend to get in in a groove and you know just do the thing that they're used to, and and not get outside of their comfort zone a lot. So in a lot of the tech companies I worked for, it's been like a boys' club more or less. Very rare to even even see a a, a woman software engineer. Um, the company I'm at now is much, much more uh, balanced in this regard, and it's great. Um, I see a lot more women engineers. I see more uh, male uh, executive assistants. Yeah, it's just it's 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 part of when you're trying to solve a problem, you want to be able to have as many different ideas and approaches as possible. That makes it you know the the more ideas you have the better of a solution you're you're able to find so you need to seek out people who are not exactly like you and different ideas different opinions different approaches that's that's how you are get good at solving problems that's a it's a core strength that you need to look for and it's something that's, it's if you don't look for it it's easy for it to fall by the wayside it's even easy for a inadvertent ideas and biases that you might have to influence that. So you're raising two young girls. What advice would you like to give them if they're interested in getting involved in the STEM field? Yeah, I, I always tell them just love learning. Don't let your curiosity uh, go dim. Keep learning things every day and, and be willing to be a hard worker. That's such good advice. Awesome. So do you want to tell people again how they can find your Ada Lovelace fiction online and find out more about you? All right. So my main website is micajoel.info, one of those rare .info domains. Um, so that's that's the main hub. You can get to lots of stuff there. You can uh, – the uh, page called micajoel.info slash time travel geek out, four words, all lowercase, hyphen, separated. That's the series landing page. For all this Ada Lovelace and Steve Jobs and William Shockley and Marie Curie stuff. You can find links out there to the book, which is free on every major retailer. And if you sign up for my reading list, which is low volume, you get the sequel for free too. Awesome. Okay, well, thanks so much for coming on the show. All right, thanks for your time. So I hope you've enjoyed episode two, all about Ada Lovelace. And hopefully... More than just enjoying it, maybe you even learned something new and were inspired by it. So do what you can. Tell the world about Ada. Hashtag Team Ada. (laughs) 
So before we go, I just want to thank you all again so much for all of the positive feedback that I received so far from episode one. You have no idea how much it means to me. As I was going through producing for episode one, I just had this moment of sheer terror. It's kind of a scary prospect when you're basically broadcasting <laughs> a piece of yourself. And especially with this kind of format that I've decided to go with where it's very specific topics that mean a lot to me. It can be scary knowing that your thoughts are being put out there to the world. So thanks again to everyone for the encouraging words. And I especially want to give a shout out to Dan Brooks because he said that, let me just read the tweet. He said, hey, that was great, fun stuff, and you're a great speaker. Felt like NPR. So I told him thanks and that's awesome because Ira Glass is my hero. So that's just amazing to me that people like the sound of my voice and think it sounds like NPR. So that's pretty cool. So thanks again to everyone for being so supportive and I hope you guys keep listening. It's going to be fun. That's going to do it for episode two of Nerd of Paradise. Be sure to check us out on nerdofparadise.net and follow us on Twitter. That's at N-O-F-P-P-O-D. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can do that at hello at nerdofparadise.net. Now, before I go, I just want to share this quote of Ada Lovelace with everyone because it kind of reminded me of myself, especially with this pursuit I've started with this crazy random podcast of mine. So let me share this quote with you from Ada Lovelace. She says, I am never really satisfied that I understand anything because understand it well as I may, my comprehension can only be an infinitesimal fraction of all I want to understand about the many connections and relations which occur to me, how the matter in question was first thought of or arrived at, etc. So there you have it. Ada Lovelace is awesome and do everything you can to learn more about her and the things she did. So just like Ada, you know, be inquisitive, go out there and learn things and don't let the man stop you. <laughs> All right. Until next time, guys. <laughs>